You know why? Because bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of HW Radio. I'm Jim here as always with Kyle and Jack. And tonight we have a special treat for you guys. We have something, we have a guest that no other, wait, let me check first. Colby, are you a guest on anybody else's podcast this week? <laughs> um, No, not this week. No, okay. I, uh, I did one last week um, for some young kids out in Manitoba, but I... Uh, Nothing this week. So you guys, you got the official rights on this one. Okay. So then I can say <laughs> we are the only Philly Flyers podcast that has the on, the one and only Colby Cohen on. Colby, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, it's definitely a unique time that we would all be getting ready to probably watch, uh, watch a home opener or, or watch a season opener here over the next 24 to 48 hours. But it could be a little bit of time before we're doing that. Isn't it, isn't it crazy to think about this time last year, the teams in Prague getting ready to play uh, the, the Blackhawks and all, and all that. And this year it's like, there's no hockey till January. The Stanley cup was just won last week. You know, I talked to a friend of mine who actually was on the, on the Stanley cup team today. And um, he's back in New York and I asked him how the weather was. And he said, you know, I've, I've never been, you know, he lives out in the Hamptons and he's like, I've never been here this time of year. He said it's a it's a whole different ball game than, than what I'm used to. So it's definitely a, a weird thing. Um, you know, my time hop reminded me uh, today that uh, the team was overseas this time last year. And I just kind of was like, wow, this has been seemingly the longest year ever almost. <laughs> Isn't it like it? It is pretty crazy. Like usually we do a our we change seasons for the podcast back in July. This year it went from we started the season back in uh, July and we went all the way to what month are we in now? September, and that was one season. It's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Uh, so obviously we're in October now and we're talking about draft. Uh, before we get into the NHL draft, I kind of wanted to ask you about your. NHL draft day experience you were drafted I wasn't it in a second round uh 45th overall by the Colorado Avalanche yeah um it's uh it's a it's an unbelievable experience I mean I I think back to the whole draft year and and I think back to the draft combine you know when you're 17 years old you know maybe you just turned 18 you're in a draft combine and you know you're sitting at the table with GMs, presidents. Um, I feel like president of hockey ops is like a newer thing. So it's mostly GMs, assistant GM scouts. I mean, I remember having meetings with teams where 30 team employees were there and me. And uh, it definitely teaches you a little bit uh, about, um, you know, how to talk to adults and, and you get into a room with all these people and every meeting's a little bit different, some more laid back than others. One that I'll never forget for a lot of reasons was was um, my pre-draft meeting with the Flyers. You know, growing up a Philly kid, being a Flyers fan, uh, Paul Holmgren was the was the GM at the time, and uh, Chris Pryor was the assistant GM. And you know, I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, been around or talked to either of those two guys, but they're two of the most intimidating, serious people uh, you'll ever meet in your life. And 
I knew Chris Pryor just a little bit from um, his his son played at the U.S. national program, but he was younger than me. Uh, Nick, he's actually a scout for the Flyers now, Nick Pryor. But so I knew Chris a little, so I was a little bit familiar with him. But uh, Paul Holmgren is to this day probably the most intimidating person that I met with of the 20. I think I had like 27 meetings or something at the draft. He was just by far the 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 most intimidating and that was the the meeting I was most excited for obviously growing up here so um you know I'll, I'll never really forget that and then fast forward a couple months uh, my draft was in Columbus I think central scouting which I don't even know if that's the the ranking group anymore I I'm pretty far removed from it but I think I was rated as like the 18th skater or something like that so you know we had pretty heavy reason to think that I was going to be drafted in the first round. And I'll never forget when um, uh, the fourth overall comes around and they picked Chris Hickey, I think his name was Chris Hickey. I, I can't really fully remember, but he was like a guy who was not an, on anyone's radar until the third or fourth round or Thomas Hickey, not Chris Hickey, sorry, Thomas Hickey. And I remember I was sitting, my row was my family. The row behind me was Kevin Shattenkirk and his family. And our agent was sort of mixed between us just because we had the same representation at the time, you know, and my agent looked at me or advisor and he said, that's not good for you uh, because a guy, you know, then everyone else, then Keaton Ellerby pushed up and Alsner pushed up and all these guys pushed up. And, you know, then McDonough was still there. And, uh, and I just remember sitting through the first round, just, you know, it was a, kind of an excruciating experience for an 18 year old kid. I was, I was definitely disappointed and a little bit devastated. Um, and, uh, it was, it was definitely a, a learning experience for me and in, in, in not necessarily enjoying certain moments, um, because you, you know, you, you, you're competitive. And, and then by the time you do hear your name for me, you know, I had to wait until the next day and luckily it was early the next day, but, I must remember being relieved more than I was actually happy. And it was one of those moments where I, you know, when I look back on it, I wish I had enjoyed it more because it was such a special thing. Uh, but when you're living in it and you're a young kid, it's, it's an emotional day. I mean, it, it really is hearing your name over that loudspeaker from Gary Bettman, getting that Jersey. Um, obviously it's different this year with the virtual picks, but it's, it's an emotional, it's a really emotional, you know, ride unless you're, you know, one of those guys that you, you just know you're a top five pick or a top 10 pick, you know, once you start falling out of that top 10, top 15, you could really go anywhere in the first round or two. And, and it's, uh, you know, it, it was a emotional experience. Um, you know, my friends were all on senior week that week down at the shore, so they weren't there with me, which I would have liked, but, um, you know, I, I, Every year when I when I see the drafts and I watch, uh, you know, the NFL draft and I remember when watching Aaron Rodgers fall down the first round and there's always players like that. And, um, you know, I always feel for those guys because I've lived that moment Uh, similar to like when I watch hard knocks and I see guys who get cut from the team. Those those moments always like pull a lot of emotion out of you as an athlete when you've lived that and you've you know, dealt with that. And maybe you haven't had a ton of success as a professional, but you've had a taste and you can really identify and feel with that. So, um, you know, it was, it was a, it was a unique experience. You know, I wish that I could, 
I could tell you guys that it was the most joyous experience. It, it, it wasn't because of the stress and because of the anxiety that it brought on. But ultimately, you know, when I see the pictures, at least from it, of my family and I after I did get drafted, um, it, 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 that at least, you know, brings a smile to my face. You know, Colby, I got to tell you, I really appreciate your honesty and, and hearing your story there because I think for a lot of guys, it would be very easy to, you know, tell people a story, you know, and you, you were just honest right there, I felt like. And I kind of felt like I was you sitting in that seat, you know, watching other guys go up to the podium. And I felt bummed out for you, man. Like, I really did. I, that has to be, especially for an 18-year-old kid, like, that has to kind of suck a little bit, you know. I'd be nervous as all hell. Especially yeah, when he uh, says that he's more relieved than he is happy an 18 year old kid like that's got on your draft day like that's yeah. tough no i mean it's uh it's real and and you know you sit there and i remember that year my year there was a two other guys this there was a russian kid his last name was sharaponov and angelo esposito who never really panned out the pittsburgh took him and and we were three players that were rated highly that fell and fell and the cameras at the top that year versus was the hockey network and the the, the cameras, I could, you know, they kept coming to me and going to them and showing Sharaponov and showing Esposito. And then once those guys went, then they started looking, you know, coming my way. And as I had mentioned, you know, we our families were sitting together, Kevin Shattenkirk and I, who had gone early in the first round, which, listen, that that's you're very excited. You know, he's he's one of my best friends in the world. Um, and, and I remember how excited I was for him and and. Uh, I even remember after he got drafted, like maybe 45 minutes to an hour later, he came back to sit with me, even though his family stayed at their like the abs draft party. He even came back to sit with me. So it's yeah, it's a it's a unique experience. And, um, you know, I I never really under I mean, I guess I understand why they do the first round and then the next day, the second round. But. I feel like they should find a way to maybe have the first two rounds and then the next day have the next two rounds. And then maybe after that, the rest, I, I just, um, you know, I, I just think it, I get it. It's probably for TV purposes, but um, you know, it definitely makes it all harder when you, when you don't go in the first round. And I do remember seeing after, after the draft, I kind of was like taking, or after the first round ended, I was sort of having a moment by myself uh, outside of Nationwide Arena. And sure enough, Ron Hextall walked by me, who was the assistant general manager of the uh, of the L.A. Kings at the time. And uh, I had done extensive meetings with him and Dean Lombardi and their head of scouting in L.A. and had a lot of conversations with them. And uh, I'm not going to share with you guys what he said to me, but I will tell you he had some very you know, comforting advice. And he said some very wise things to me that I never forgot and that I kind of carried with me into my freshman year at BU. And I think that it, it, it helped me sort of, uh, my first couple of years, actually my whole college career up and through my first training camp with the avalanche, it was sort of, you know, a motivating reality that, that I appreciated from him. And, and like I said, I, I wouldn't I would never share that just because he said it to me. And I, I don't you know, not that I think he cares, but but it was, uh, you know, overall, it was it was quite an experience. I can appreciate that. Uh, so you mentioned your college career a little bit here, Colby, at uh, Boston University. 
just want to talk about that a little bit because I saw an interesting stat there. 14 goals in your was it your your junior season? Uh, that was the most goals scored by a BU defenseman in uh, over 30 seasons. Yeah, the last guy to do it was a guy by the name of Dick Lambie, who uh, was a one of the most interesting alumni I ever met in my time at BU. But uh, that was a great year. Personally, um, the team, you know, we probably underachieved a little bit that year. You know, I think we had that hangover from winning the championship my sophomore year. Those are real championship hangovers. I think that, uh, you know, we were we were we had a ton of talent coming back my junior year, but there definitely was some hunger that was missing. Um, and I guess I'm part of the part of the, the group that has to take the blame on that because I was, you know, one of the older guys on the team. Well, maybe not one of the older by age, but experience. I was I was one of the, the veteran players on the team. And um, but but that year that you're talking about where I got all those goals and I ended up more goals than I think Benino and, and some other guys who were good players. I just, it was probably the luckiest year of my career. I mean, I was getting put in good positions to score goals, but you know, when you get on one of those hot streaks that, uh, you know, you just, everything falls for you. I don't know if you guys are golfers or if you're, you guys play hockey, uh, you know, men's league, whatever, but you just have that, that little stretch where it's just, everything is working in your favor. I mean, you could, your stick breaks and uh, the puck still goes in the net. Like it was just one of those seasons that, you know, it would bank off my leg or I'd be, you know, sort of getting lost in the offensive zone from the blue line. I would come down and I would end up with a tap in on the back door. It was, it was just one of those years for me. And I think I paid for it when I got to my pro career, because at that point I couldn't score on a soccer net. So uh, I, I wish I could have traded some of the goals from my junior year to save it for my pro career. That's something you could always look back on, though, you know, like that's pretty sweet. 14 goals in 36 games for Boston University. Now, <laughs> what I found interesting kind of learning about you a little bit here, Colby, was it you basically grew up with Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah, I mean, we we have a really long history. Um, you know, I'm, I'm it's hard for me to do anything right now without talking about him because of how good he was in the in the cup and, and really all season and and. Um, you know, how proud I am. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like this with a lot of my friends. I mean, I, you know, people ask me, what team do you root for? And, you know, when you have my job, you really have to be careful that you're not necessarily rooting for teams. You know, you, you try to evaluate games. You try to, uh, you know, for me, it's better when the Flyers win because um, the fans are less angry at me on Twitter when the Flyers are winning. So, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, te- the attention goes off of whatever it's, whatever shirt I'm wearing that night or, you know, whatever, you know, comment that, you know, so-and-so didn't like, and it's on the team because they're winning. But, you know, I certainly do have a group of friends. I mean, there's a lot of players in the league that are my peers. They're guys that I grew up around, played with, played against, whether it was college, the U S program, USA against Canada, whether it was, um, you know, American league, whether it was draft showcase, like there's a group of players and, and uh, for my birth year and probably one birth year older and a few birth years younger. And then as you get to pro that, that pool opens, but I was fortunate that Shaddy and I started, we actually started playing against each other when we were squirts. He was on the New Jersey junior devils and I was on the junior flyers. And um, 
you know, we sort of had this like respect for one another. It was Atlantic League and, you know, maybe he was the best player on his team and I was on mine. And um, we sort of became friends uh, as we started to grow up a little bit, maybe around nine or 10 years old. And we started playing for the Atlantic District, who and our coach was actually a guy by the name of John Riley, who is works for the Flyers now. He's one of the guys who's in charge of player development for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, he's an unbelievable coach. He really is. His his understanding of what's going on with a player is is as good. I mean, anytime I have a question about a player, I always turn to him. Um, and he was one of Hextall's guys, and now he's quickly become one of Chuck Fletcher's guys. It's always it's always a feather in a guy's cap when they last through multiple regimes and it shows how, how good they are at their jobs. But yeah, we started playing together, Shaddy and I around like 12 and in the summers and, you know, our friendship grew and, and our families became friendly and, you know, we would spend time at each other's houses in the summer. Um, you know, he's from uh, Westchester, New York, New Rochelle, which is, you know, not too far from here. It's a little bit 20, 30 minutes over the George Washington bridge. So, so it's doable. And, and, you know, we sort of progressed and we started rising together. We um, we went to the U.S. national team together as as U-17s. And, um, uh, you know, it, things just grew from there. We, we talked a lot about what we were going to do with college. I mean, I think we both had uh, narrowed our commitment list down to a couple of teams. And, and I remember... Michigan was was a big one on his list. And, and I think a lot of people just assumed he was going to go there. But, um, you know, Michigan was on my list of three, but it was at the bottom of my list. And Denver was sort of a uh, one of the schools that I was most interested in. But, you know, ultimately, we, we, we you know, we visited BU at different times, but we were teammates. You know, I we, we must have talked a lot about it. I don't really remember exactly what, you know, but we, we, we ended up committing to school at BU. We did it the same day, which was kind of cool. Uh, this is like before social media, so there was no stink about it or anything. But we did call, I think we called Jack Parker the same day. We were together, actually. Uh, we were rooming together on a road trip with the U-17 team. So, um, so that was cool. And then we went and recruited our best buddy, Colin Wilson, who was another one of our teammates, to come to BU too. Cause he was thinking about going to North Dakota and we said, no, no, you're coming with us to Boston. Like no screwing around here. So, um, and we, we really wanted Van Riemsdyk to come with us as well, but they didn't have enough scholarships and uh, Wilson, they decided was their guy and, and Reamer ended up at UNH. So, you know, we have great history. We were drafted in the same place. We had the same agent. Uh, we still spend time together. You know, I, I certainly, and proud of everything that he's accomplished. And, you know, our first training camp in the NHL, we were each other's biggest competition. We were going for the same spot. Um, ultimately, I won the spot out of camp, but the rest is history for him. And, and he's done pretty well for himself. So he, uh, he certainly could have the last laugh there. Question for you. Have you talked to him since last week? So we exchanged a couple text messages and then we finally talked today um, now that he's back home. And, um, you know, he has a young son who um, I haven't obviously got to see in a while with COVID and everything like that. So we, we had the FaceTime going today and, and we were just catching up on, you know, giving me the, the scoop on what uh, how the party was and how the boat parade. I mean, those guys looked like they had a great time. And, um, you know, his parents were out there and, you know, I just was 
telling him I, I, you know, he just, I, I was so in, in awe and like how good he played. I mean, I, I said, you know, you went to a new level and, and, you know, as, as somebody who knows your game pretty well, like I, I don't say this just cause we're friends, but it was pretty impressive what you did in the playoffs and certainly doesn't hurt to play with Victor Hedman, but you, uh, <laughs> you, you were, you were really damn good and you should feel really proud of your game. And, and, um, you know, unfortunately, within a couple of days, now he's got to think about where he's going to play next and where he's going to go next as a free agent. So it's pretty unique in that standpoint. But, um, you know, all in all, you know, 10 thumbs up for him. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly proud of what they did and, and what he did. And, you know, there's a couple other guys on that team that, that came up through with us. Ryan McDonough was sort of another guy who we all played with as a younger kid. And, and um, you know, there's a couple other players and, and you know, those guys – they were the best team in the restart. They, they dominated and they certainly deserve to win. So here's something a lot of people might not know about you, Colby, but you actually won a Stanley Cup. You were on a Stanley Cup winning team before Kevin Chattenkirk was, weren't you? I was, yes. I, um, I was called up with the, towards the end of the season with the Bruins. Um, and I was, a uh, I guess you, you know, people ask, well, were you a black ace? Yeah, I mean, I guess for all intensive purposes, I was a black ace, but I was lucky that I got to practice with the team a lot. You know, I wasn't uh, having to necessarily skate with, um, you know, the small group. Uh, and I got to travel with the team, which was cool. Uh, you got to be a part of all the meetings and, you know, the preparation, the pre-scouts, uh, the practice. And so I sort of I guess I had a front row seat to being uh, on the Stanley Cup team. I certainly, my role was pretty non-existent as far as when it came to game day, but I uh, was there just in case we had injuries, if, if, if I was needed. I uh, certainly had a lot of fun in the playoffs that year because we played in some great cities and, um, you know, the, the, the guys were, were totally okay with, with the, the four or five players who never re- were playing that, you know, that playoff. We didn't, we didn't have a rotating door of players. We had a, a roster that played every night in the playoffs that year. Um, and so the guys were really cool about, you know, letting us go out and party and have a good time and enjoy it. As long as when we were at the rink, you know, we, we got our work in and we weren't late and we weren't disruptive. And, uh, you know, Claude Julian kind of told us, look, like you guys may end up playing. So, you know, enjoy yourselves, but, you know, be ready to go. And, and this is still, we're here to win. And, and, we won. Uh, I ended up with a ring, which was which was cool. I mean, having not have played, um, you know, I, I didn't expect anything, but they did give us a ring and, you know, let us be all a part of the celebrations. And, you know, I think the the leaders on the team, Recky, Chara, um, you know, I remember Chara kind of said, hey, like you guys have the hardest job here. You know, you're 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 here until June 15th and, you you know, you don't get to play whatsoever you know, that's, that's a hard job. And, and I think the veterans like appreciated that and, and what the, the younger guys had to do. And, and Mark Recchi was another one who, who acknowledged that. And I think I really, the reason we did get playoff bonus money and playoff rings and cup rings were because the guys, the, the leaders and the veterans on the team, I think they pushed for that. And I think the organization thought it was good too, but I think the, the leaders on the team, Chara, Recky, Thornton, those guys, Seidenberg, they they were the ones who pushed for that. So, 
Um, you know, I'm not someone who likes to run around and say that I want a Stanley Cup, but I guess you could say I was part of a Stanley Cup team. Absolutely, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so just the last question I wanted to ask there was, did you get to spend a day with the Cup? So I, I did get to spend time with it um, when it came this way for uh, it's like New Jersey swing and, you know, they limited, you know, you get like a more limited amount of time with it, depending on, you know, who you are and what you've done. Some guys will get two days with it. Some guys got a day in Boston and a day in their home country. So, um, you know, one of the nights we had, we were down at the shore. I was actually with Dennis Seidenberg, who's a good friend of mine. And, and we did some partying with it. And then he had it sort of privately and and did his thing after that and and then I had a little bit of time with it and then we went out so it, it was cool and and uh you know I sort of the Stanley Cup is more about you know everybody else I think once you get you get to be around it in the celebration I think then it becomes a thing where everybody else gets a chance to pictures and this and that so um I did hear that the guys in Tampa like aren't probably aren't going to get to bring it home and get their day because of COVID. And that's, it sucks to hear that just because, you know, it's, it's such a unique experience. I hope the league, you know, post pandemic, whatever that means can find a way to get those guys some sort of special moment with it, because I think that that's important and it's cool. And especially the guys who, you know, break their ass for two and a half months to win that thing. And it's a hard trophy to win. Did you do anything weird with it? Uh, I mean, I, I certainly nothing that I, you know, <laughs> I, no. For all, let's just say no. I, I personally <laughs> didn't do anything weird with it, but um, guys like to have a good time with it as they should. And you know, I think that the cup has um, seen its moments. It's seen its dents. Uh, you know, it's it's seen all of the above. I I think I remember that year, Michael Ryder. There was a video of it somewhere who is one of the biggest beauties I ever played with. I mean, um, he was just such an unreal guy, like just loved, like just no worries in the world. Just came to the rink, put his gear on and scored goals. And when he wasn't playing, you know, oh, well, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, he was just and I think I remember a video circulating that that summer where I think he dropped it or something and it caught a dent. So uh, those guys have their art, their work cut out for them. The keepers of the cup, they're they're cool guys. But that's who you want to get get on the podcast because they're they're the ones who can tell you the stories. <laughs> Colby, I do have one question for you. I ask everybody, uh, just to go back to the draft real, real quick. Um, what was the weirdest question a team asked you in their uh, their preliminary interviews? Yeah, so I was actually. Um, Something that got brought up a couple times was sort of my childhood and my background. And uh, I felt there was a lot of a lot of people or I, I shouldn't. There was a few teams that seemed overly interested on, like, you know, my upbringing and my I guess, you know, how fortunate I was in my upbringing. Um, you know, my I grew up in a nice area and out in Radnor Township and and. Um, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I, I, you know, the main line has a reputation, um, for being a, I guess, wealthy area. And there were definitely a few, a few questions about, you know, did it even matter to me because of the way I was brought up? And, um, my answers were kind of like, well, if you have to ask me that question, I'm probably not for you guys. So, 
Um, there was definitely a couple of those moments. Uh, I remember, I think it was, I, I met with the Dallas stars and I remember them putting me through a, like with their sports psychologist. And I remember a lot of the questions about my favorite color and like, they did a lot of weird stuff. And I think they were just trying to see how much they can shake you and throw you off. I don't think that there was actually any care for what my favorite color was, but um, it was so long ago. And, and it's funny, like my agent, we've, we've laughed about it since. And, and, um, he keeps notes from the, you know, what, what he had, what he had me do was after every meeting, write down three or four notes that, that I took away from the meeting, whether it was a good meeting, a bad meeting, did they ask me anything specific? You know, did I feel you basically like jot a couple things down because you have 25 meetings who can remember what happened in your first meeting. And then he's got to follow up with all these teams and, and talk to them. So maybe like two years ago, he, I was up, you know, we were having lunch together and, and he pulled them out of his briefcase, my draft notes, cause he still had them in my file. And we just were laughing about, you know, some of these different things and some of these different questions, but uh, there was definitely um, definitely some some people that were a little bit keen on on where I grew up and how I grew up. And, and um, you know, that's that's, you know, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm only going to bring this up because it was recently uh, posted by you on Twitter. Um, you did mention, uh, speaking of the Dallas Stars, um, a certain player made com- comments to you when you were younger um can you ex- get into that story was he being just being real with you or was he kind of being a jerk oh uh jamie ben right yeah yes. so my fir- so here you know you get to the arena at five o'clock for a seven o'clock game and this was i got called up maybe two weeks into the season um i made the team i got sent down after the first game just so our second game we played we opened the season with Chicago and Philly and I got, didn't play either game. Uh, Adam foot had some potential groin issues. So I was, they were just sort of unsure. He played both games. I get sent down actually after the game in Philly, I didn't even go back to Colorado. I got sent right to Cleveland. Um, and so I came back up maybe like two weeks later. And my first game was, I think it was against Dallas. It was either my first or second game. And, um, you know, like I had a chip on my shoulder and I wanted to prove that I belonged. I took a couple of runs at guys. I got into it with James Neal. Uh, he slashed me and broke his stick over like my leg. So he got a penalty. And then I kept talking shit. Look, you're fearless in your first game. You're adrenaline. I mean, you could probably have shot me in the arm and I maybe wouldn't have felt it. That's how much adrenaline you have in your first NHL game. I mean, it's, it's, you, you just can't even really explain it. So uh, I remember there was like a little confrontation with Jamie Ben and I, I said, let's fight. Like I let's go. And he was pretty new in the league too. At the time, he might've had a year or two on me cause he didn't go to college, but, um, and he wouldn't even entertain it because what he, he had some, he had some words for me that ended with, why would I fight you? You're going to be back riding a bus next week in the American league. Cause you're a fucking loser. You know, I, I just remember because it was funny and, you know, I, I kind of laughed at it and I was like, all right, I did just get called up. I could potentially be riding a bus next week. So, all right, touche. Um, so I, I, I do remember that exchange. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't 
I don't personally know Jamie. Um, you know, I I thought his game in the playoffs was was impressive. I thought he really did elevate his game. You know, he kind of he kind of had this reputation for being maybe uh, an almost Eric Lindros type of player, like a big skilled power forward. He actually uses the same tape job as Eric Lindros did, as I remember from when I was a kid. Um, but you know, he, he definitely was a guy who, who had a reputation. So I just, you know, I was fearless that night. I mean, I had an interaction with Jerome McGinley the next night or the night after where, you know, he like tried to beat my head in. Luckily, Chris Stewart uh, wasn't having that and, and made sure that that didn't happen. But um, I was definitely full of piss and vinegar and full of, uh, full of um, uh, you know, energy and, and, uh, full of adrenaline in those couple of games. And I, I, I got myself into more trouble on the ice, which was not super characteristic of me. I was not someone who, you know, was getting involved in a lot of that stuff. I was more thinking about making sure I was still, you know, ready for the power play. I mean, I, I lived I lived to go out on the power play. So I, I was doing my best to stay out of the penalty box. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I remember seeing the tweet. It's good to get uh, an actual. It's one of the first things I thought of when we were told that we were going to have you on. So it was good to get some uh, some insight on that uh, back and forth because of all guys, <laughs> Jamie well, Bennett, where he had been. Well, and Steve Ott was another guy who who was just all over me that game because and I I I didn't actually I meant to tell you guys this when I started the story, but. You arrive at the game at 5 p.m. and you go right into the dry room and you change into like whatever your, you know, your shorts, a T-shirt, whatever. And on the board is the lineup. And, you know, there's the lines and then there's like who's going to be in the who's on the first power play. Set. What are the two power play groups? Because what happens is, is you have your power play meeting at like 540 PK meeting at 550. So you got to know, like, well, what meetings you got to be in? What film are you seeing, et cetera? So, you know, when you're in your first game, what happens is, is the other team has the same thing in their locker room. And you've got to believe that, like, they know when it's someone's first game. So you're highlighted, you're whatever. So, you know, a young defenseman, it was Shattenkirk's first game in the league as well. We get called up at the same time. So um, you got to believe that they had some conversation in their dressing room, like, their two first and second round pick are called up. They've never played in the league. Let's run them the first three shifts of the game. Let's run both of them. You know what I mean? So, so you know, that stuff happens. And Steve Ott, who just was all over me all game and just giving me the riot act every chance he could, um, you know, relentlessly when he was on, when he was on, on Dallas and, and years later, he was officiating Shattenkirk's wedding a couple summers ago. And so he was, you know, sort of hanging with the, with the bridal party because he was officiating the wedding. And um, I was telling him the story and, you know, he had no recollection of it, obviously, because it was just another day of work for him. But I was telling him some of the shit that he was saying to me and he was cracking up and he said, yeah, that sounds like me. I mean, we, we had a lot of good laughs about it. I mean, him and Shaddy went on to play together in St. Louis, but um, you know, he, he, we laughed and we joked about it years later and he's, he's actually one of the funniest guys I've ever been around off the ice. Um, Steve Ott, that, that, you know, I think he's an assistant in St. Louis now, I think if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but 
um, you know, he was a prick to play against. So, you know, that kind of shit happens all the time. It's pretty funny. It's just, it's, it's sort of the, the part that you never really know and you, re- you never really hear about because, you know, you, you can't hear what happens inside the glass for the most part. I mean, the, you know, most of what's said down at ice level, it stays down there for the most part. What happens at ice level stays at ice level. Yeah, for the most part, unless you're mic'd up and then, you know, or, or you know, the one of the hot mics catches you. So. I imagine Steve, uh, Steve Ott's got a lot of good one-liners. Oh, boy, he's he's hysterical. He is absolutely hysterical. And he was funny officiating the wedding and did a great job. He was nervous, but he he did a great job. So. He uh, he's a fun guy, and I, I was glad that I got to meet him and and spend a little time around him in that setting. And you know, it's it's always it's always good. That's kind of interesting. A guy like him officiating a wedding. Like, yeah, you know, he, he he did a good job. I mean, I we were giving him shit and calling him Rabbi Ott the whole time, <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, no, he he did a good job, and and it, you know, it was a big wedding. It was a lot of people there, a lot of hockey people. I mean ranging from head coaches in the NHL to players to, you know, you name it, agents. So, so he did it. He did a nice job. I got to give him credit where credit's due. We do hear some funny stories about some of these tough guys on the ice. So off the ice, they're like the biggest sweethearts. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, listen, Stu, Stewie's the same way. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, Chris Stewart was not a, his career was not spent as a tough guy, but he's one of the toughest people that I know. And, you know, uh, he couldn't be a nicer human being. And uh, Nick Grossman, who was a flyer for a long time, who played very tough. Uh, him and I had a, you know, we were we were good pals for years when he was, you know, now he lives back in Sweden. And, you know, we just keep in touch on social media. But, I mean, tough as nails on the ice. And, you know, he is the definition of a girl dad now. I mean, he he is the softest sweetest nicest human being in the world so you know that's that's definitely a common theme that you see with these guys yeah it's pretty good so speaking of chris stewart and let's talk about this flyers team a little bit now uh outstanding regular season obviously uh with the whole covid pause that kind of put a wrench in their plans they finished regular season nine and one uh heading into the covid playoffs everyone was thinking okay can they bring the magic back they seemingly do bring it back in the round robin play and kind of go flat uh, during the playoffs. Now, before we kind of transition into what's happening today, can you kind of tell? Can you what was like your perspective? I mean, you you watched them every night as well. Like you're right in the middle of everything. What what was kind of going on? What did you see happen with this team from round robin play to actual playoff play? Yeah. So you know. Uh, it's easy to forget that they're they're a win away from the conference finals, which is sort of what I thought would happen. I, I truly believed based on the round robin that they would get to the conference finals and that they would I, I didn't see a world in which they were gonna be Tampa. And and that's for anybody. I don't think any team in that entire return to play was beating Tampa. So um, you know, I think that I, I, you know, I think that the Flyers were a good team. And I think that when I looked at the way that they played all season, for me, I thought, why would this not translate? They weren't, you know, everyone said, well, they had momentum and they were hot. But, you know, they were a lot of times you'll go on a winning streak, guys, and um, you're getting every bounce and you're not even playing that well and you're still winning. But that wasn't the case for them. I mean, they were playing 
uh, good hockey. I mean, their details were as good as any team in the NHL at the pause. I mean, when I say their details, I mean, you know, the, the decisions at the red line, the decisions at the blue line. Um, the defensive zone coverage, the stick positioning, the the on the penalty kill, um, you know, not giving up the seam play, just every detail of their game was so good. I mean, it was as good as any of the best, I'd say, six, five or six teams that had a chance to win. And, you know, they got into the playoffs and I think a couple of their players were having a hard time scoring. And I think the details started to slip. Um, I think Matt Niskanen, who, in my opinion, was probably the most valuable player, skater, all season, under the radar. But I, I truly think that his his value to the team will never fully be realized for anybody who's not within the organization because of what he brought to the locker room, what he did for Provorov's game. Uh, he did it for Orloff in Washington years prior, and he did it for Provorov here. I just think he brought so much to the table as far as that calming influence from the back end that could really control the game that, you know, his game really struggled when he came back. He, he was not himself. And uh, it sounds as if maybe, you know, he had, you know, been thinking a lot about his future when you saw the news that we saw today with him retiring. Um, and, you know, I just I, I think his game was was a big reason why the team, you know, didn't get back to that level. I mean, to be the best team, your best players have to be at the top of their game. And I felt that uh, him, I, you know, Claude had a hard time scoring in the, in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I, all around, I don't think it's one or two guys, but I just think that uh, they, they were missing, you know, that scoring. And when the power play goes cold and the scoring, you know, goes cold, you start to do things that, you know, will lead you to poor details. You uh, try to make the extra play at the red line. If you're Travis Konechny, instead of changing and getting the puck deep, you try to go one on two or one on three against the Islanders. And, you know, we know how that ends up and, and we saw that movie. And so I think that, you know, those those factors sort of led to the Flyers getting away from what made them successful all season. Um you know, I also think it's really important not to judge a season on the return to play. I think that uh, it was unique. Every team, yes, was in the same position. Some teams handled it differently, better, worse than others. But I, I think that the Flyers are in a good position. I was I was impressed with, with what they did this season. I was impressed with how the, some of the veteran players recommitted to the good habits of the game and recommitted to what makes you a good player. So uh, I look at all that and, and I think that, you know, it, it just, it, it didn't happen for them. And even with it not happening for them, they get to a game seven of the second round and are one game off of the conference finals. So uh, I still am not a fan of the Islander team. I, I, you know, they got going, they got hot, they played a certain way, but you know, they were never really in that series against Tampa Bay. I mean, they were really never in that series. So, um, you know, I, I, I overall, I, I give that the, the organization credit. They they made some good moves. People questioned them. They questioned bringing in Justin Braun. Nobody liked what they gave up. They ate salary. I mean, but Chuck has so far made all of the right moves. And I just think that, um, you know, they're they're. You know, I, I think they're going to continue to be good. And, and I think uh, losing Matt Niskanen is really detrimental. 
I don't think people realize just how good and how important he was. Well, I shouldn't say that. Based on what some of the things that I put on social media today, a lot of people seem, oh, well, you know, we'll replace him. Well, it's hard to replace a right shot defenseman who has won, you know, who has won, who has played many deep playoff runs, who only makes five and a half million dollars and who is willing to take a puck off the face and play the next game, who is willing to eat hard minutes, who's willing to mentor top pair. It's hard to find that at five million dollars. I mean, those type of defensemen make six, they make seven million. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say he's as good a player as Ryan McDonough because it's, that's not true, but he's he plays similar. And Ryan McDonough is so freaking valuable and is so good is actually underrated because he plays behind Hedman and, you know, Hedman is just a freak. But, um, you know, Niskanen reminds me of, of, of McDonough. He's that guy who just does everything and he elevates and he leads and he hits and he blocks shots. So uh, that's a big hole that they're going to have to fill. But, you know, you got a goaltender, you, you've got some forwards, you've got young players who are seemingly developing and getting better. And, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic, uh, optimistic about uh, this season and, and the future of the team. Now, I agree with everything you just said, especially getting a guy like Niskanen on the team, that price, what he brings to the table. And I do agree that people seem to have pushed it aside and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. Uh, it's that we want to see what we could bring in. And a lot of guys talking Petrangelo and guys of that it's nature. Not, and it's, and it's not going to happen with Petrangelo. And I wish it did, but it's not going to happen. It's a pipe dream, and, and he's not coming to Philadelphia. And I, I hate to say it, but it's a reality. Now that I agree with you, but I was going to ask you because you know everybody gets excited, and I think that's why they're so quick to push aside what a guy like Niskan had brought to the table. Uh, that being said, he's retired. There's nothing we can do. What do you think the Flyers do at this point? Because we all know the defense as it is set now with Braun being re-signed, with Hag getting his being re-signed. It's not enough. We still need a top four guy. Is there a certain person, maybe somebody you know, uh, that would fit the mold of what they could do to, even if it's a Band-Aid fix at this point, you don't want to go all out and throw off your plan just because a guy retired on you, but they did open some cap space. Uh, what do you think they do? Who do you think they target? Yeah, well, I think what's important is is that the Flyers uh, do have some cap space open. Um, it's probably impossible to replace Matt Niskanen like one for one. I I just don't know who you're going to find that plays that way at that price, has that leadership, has won, has been on teams with Crosby. I mean, you know, I just I think that's going to be really hard. A, a two like that type of two way defenseman. Um, it's important to note the Flyers still have to sign a couple guys, you know, a couple of restricted free agents. And, you know, yeah, it opened up cap space, but the Flyers had no cap space. Even with the players they had to sign, there was still a lot of talk about you know, moving Shane Gostisphere or, you know, trying to, to move this player or that player. So, you know, they're not in a really good position with cap space, even with uh, Niskanen retiring. I mean, it frees them up a little bit, but, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know like I tweeted today a name to keep an eye on was Anthony D'Angelo. It sparked a lot of conversation, a lot of hate. <laughs> 
Um, I, I, it's, I just didn't realize how much people wouldn't want a player because of who, you know, which presidential candidate they would like. I mean, I'm a hockey analyst. My job is to evaluate hockey players, not political uh, America. I, I literally, it's none of my business who he wants or likes <laughs> to be president. I, it's none of my business. It's so, pretty insane, man, isn't oh, it? I, I knew you were going to get that as soon as I saw you tweeted. I'm like, oh, my God, poor Colby. Here we go. Yeah, which is which, you know, that's OK. Listen, people are passionate and it's fine, um, you know, but I just start thinking to myself, all right, who's a right handed defenseman who can produce, uh, who can skate? You know, and I just I said, listen, this is a guy who has some contract uh, impasse with the Rangers. He wants money. Uh, they qualified him. He's going to end up in arbitration. Um, you know, the Flyers are looking to potentially give Shane Gossespierre a fresh start somewhere. I think that would be the best for him. I think he's going to be good wherever he ends up. Um, sometimes you see a player goes to a new team and all of a sudden, you know, things start working out for them again. And, um, you know, so I start thinking, all right, well, they probably need help on the power play. I think uh, Ivan Provorov, I don't think he's the quarterback of the power play. I think he's a guy who can play on your power play, but I don't, I don't see him as the quarterback. So I'm thinking, okay, who's a right shot defenseman? Uh, who's young? Who can skate? And, and he's a name that comes to mind because I know his situation in New York. Uh, I know he's a local guy. I do know that um, he would be you know, nothing but excited to play in his hometown like most players. Uh, so I said, that's a guy to keep an eye on, keep an eye on that name. Um, you know, there's been talk of Bobby Ryan, who's another local player. I mean, any of these, these local guys get into these situations. I mean, when I was getting drafted, it was, well, should we draft the, the hometown kid? I mean, it's, it's just a reality. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he's a good player. I think he would help the team, um, without a doubt. So, uh, I didn't say that with the knowledge of conversations happening between teams, between players, I uh, just said it's a name to keep an eye on amongst many other names to keep an eye on. I, I you know, I, I look, um, would I love to see Kevin Shadkirk sign a deal here with the Philadelphia Flyers? Of course, I would love to see that. I would love to see him, be able to see him all the time. He's a, he's a, he's a great friend of mine. Do I think it's a reality? I, I don't know. I, I, I really am not sure. I don't, I don't know what the Flyers do. You know, we all think we know what they need, but what we think and what's going on in their meetings are are very different. I mean, they're they're talking. They knew about Niskanen weeks ago. Nobody else knew about that, you know, myself included. And and so it just depends. Where do they see these guys? What do they feel like they need a guy who can kill penalties or do they feel like they need a power play guy? And maybe he's, you know, not a not a stay at home. You know, so. It, it comes down to, you know, what do they feel is the right fit? There are definitely options out there. I think there's options that are affordable. I think Zach Bogosian is an interesting name. He showed that he still has game in the playoffs. He's big. He's physical. He skates well um, at the right number. I, I think he'd be a good addition. Um, it's obviously always about the right number. I think the signings of Braun and Hag at the, the cap hits that they got those guys out were awesome. You know, you've got a pair right now that is a proven pair that can kill penalties and play heavy minute. Well, you know, I wouldn't say heavy minutes, but against heavy players. And they cost you $3.4 million for two. You know, I mean, I, I, I like that move. I think that's good. Um, so, 
I'm I'm like you guys. I'm I'm sitting here refreshing, looking to see what's happening. What are the rumors? I've heard the Patrick Line rumors. Um, you know, could they use a guy who's a 40 goal scorer, a 50 goal scorer who's 22 years old? Without a doubt. So could every other team in the NHL. So, um, you know, I'm I'm this time of year, guys, I don't get involved in the like, you know, I'm not making calls and talking to people. You know, I I act as a resource to some of my friends uh, who I talk to and who bounce ideas off me. I mean, that's how it works. You talk to your peers you talk to your friends, but I'm not a newsbreaker. Uh, my job, you know, I, I try to put things on Twitter that are interesting and things that I think would be a good fit. If I was the GM, what would I look for? What would I want to do? Um, and that's sort of where the, the Anthony D'Angelo thing originated from was I just said, you know what, this is a good player who, uh, the Rangers have been, you know, had his name out there for all, for all summer, basically. You know, I mean, you've heard his name as, are they going to be able to afford him? Can they afford him long term? Are they going to pay him? He had 53 points last year and was like a plus 13, you know, all of these things. So it's like, OK, well, do the Flyers and the Rangers make many trades? No, they never make trades. But, you know, Chuck Fletcher has not been here a long time. Um, you know, I don't know what him and Jeff Gordon's relationship are like, but is it completely out of the realm of possibility no i don't think anything is this is a bizarre time teams are trying to shed cap they're trying to um get players for less i mean it's it's a really weird time so uh you know i'm i'm like you guys i think they need to add a piece um they need a veteran i think they need a leader i think it's important when you look at that defensive core i think you need a vocal leader you know you Provorov is a young guy Sanheim and Myers are young guys. Hag is a young guy. I don't think Braun is a very vocal guy. So I believe you need a vocal leader back there, uh, regardless of whom that is. You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't, um, you know, I haven't heard anything, but, um, you know, I, I will obviously wait and see, and I'll try to put stuff out on social media as I hear it. But, um, you know, I, I, they're going to need to do something. I don't, necessarily buy into the fact that you know we're comfortable with who we have right now for next season that I'm not sure I fully agree or buy with this whole thing coming out with Niskanen today because I mean the line a rumors were pretty hot right and everybody wants that 40 50 goal score they want to he's 22 years old all of a sudden the Flyers kind of have a need you know whereas they didn't really have a need before Niskanen retired he retires and all of a sudden it's like they kind of need to fill out their top four defense pairings now. Does that kind of hinder the line eight trade talk? And maybe they now focus on getting a top four defenseman or can they still do both? Well, um, you know, top four defensemen don't grow on trees <laughs> and neither do 50 goal scorers. So it's a really tricky decision. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, for if if you could make it work and and you were going to go try to be a player in this free this free agency i don't think there's a real chance with alex petrangelo i think he's staying in st louis or he's going to florida or he's going to vegas uh you know he's earned the right to get paid and i mean he wants nine million a year and he's worth it and he wants to be in a low tax environment if he's going to leave and he and he should and why wouldn't you want to go play in Vegas, who's a team that's been great, a team that, you know, cost of living is nothing and taxes are nothing and it's warm. I mean, why wouldn't you want to go do that? 
So um, I don't think he's realistic uh, no matter what. And then I look at Tory Krug and Tory Krug's one of my favorite players. Um, I, I, I played with him when he was a rookie, um, but he didn't become one of my favorite players really until a couple of years ago when I started to see just how good he was. Um, I, I don't, I don't think undersized defensemen have traditionally fared well in the Philadelphia market puck movers. Um, you know, Matt Carl, for example, you know, that guy never got any credit while he was in Philly yet. He was, you know, one of the better puck movers for a lot of years. And, uh, I think Tory Krug would be the exception of that. I think he's a, he plays with an edge. He plays with an attitude. He'll run you. He'll fight. I mean, the, the kid really does everything. He's heavy. He's strong. He defends. He's offensive. He's a stud on the power play. You know, he's a top three defenseman. He's not a top four. He's a, he's a top pair defenseman. So uh, he is a lefty. So obviously that, you know, creates a little bit of issue with Provorov. You know, you're going to have two lefties maybe on your top pair. He's going to be a little bit cheaper than Petrangelo. You know, maybe Tory Krug falls into that seven million range instead of that nine million range. Um, you know, maybe even, you know, the high sixes if you're willing to give him years. But, you know, I, I would love to see if they could make it work from a cap perspective, you know, to, to take a run at him. I have no idea if he would even be willing to come here. You know, when you're a UFA and you're, you know, you were in the right to pick your spot. You really did when you're one of these players. So, um, I, I, I personally, I, I think if, if you can get someone like that, uh, Krug, I think it's worth the money. I think it's worth, uh, bringing him in and then, you know, spending less up front. If you can't, then I'd rather see them bring in maybe a couple of guys who are, are, you know, in that 3 million range, maybe three and a half, two, two, three and a half million dollar guys back there rather than you know, uh, spending it all in one place. And that still gives you a little bit of opportunity to potentially, you know, get involved with, with the line, a thing. But ultimately I think if the flyers want to be a big player in free agency, which I never fully got the sense that they did, especially with Seattle in mind and who they're going to protect and who they're going to expose. Um, I think that they, you know, they probably still need to move a contract and I'm not talking about, you know, JVR, Giroux, or, or Voracek contract. I'm talking about one of those mid-level contracts, a $4 million hit, a three-and-a-half to $5.5 million hit is probably the contract that needs to move if they want to do line A, if they want to do Krug, if they want to try to get one of these big-time players. So I'm not a cap expert, guys. I'm not good at math. They have people for that that are, like, experts, and that's all they do. They know the ins and outs. I don't. Uh, but you know, I, I'm, I, I look more goals is more fun. And, you know, I, I want to see goals and I want to see offense and I want to see exciting players. It makes my job more fun. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I just, I've said this, that I, I think, uh, Tory Krug would look really good in, in orange and black. Uh, he would fit here. His personality would fit here. His, his everything, he would be liked off the ice. He would be liked by the media, the fit. He just he he's one of those guys that I know would do well and would fit well here. There is a player I wanted to ask you about because the Flyers, while they did get a little bit of cap, you're right. They still have to resign Myers. There's still a couple of other guys I got to look at a couple of positions. We don't know what's going on with Nolan Patrick and what he could possibly get. Um, if they were to move out some contracts 
and go after a defenseman, a top four defenseman at the same time. What do you think about a guy like Matt Dumba, who was drafted by Fletcher, seems to be on the outs in Minnesota? I know he's got some term left, but the way they're structuring that team, it just seems like his name has popped up in rumors to possibly being traded. He's a right-handed defenseman. What do you think the chances of Flyers looking into a guy like that? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, I never thought of that because, um, you know, I just it never really occurred to me. But, yeah, I mean, he's a Fletcher pick. These guys get very attached to their draft picks. Um, I, I, I think it's a good call. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't watch the West as much because the games are late and I'm, wa- and I'm working in the East. So I don't know his game so well. I don't know his game like Petrangelo or like Krug, who I watch a lot more. Um, there are just certain defensemen that I like to watch. I just, I, I haven't watched him enough to, to sit here and tell you guys my true feelings about him. He's made money and he's, he's played well. You don't, you know, make money like that by mistake. You don't get contracts that like that necessarily by mistake. So he's obviously a good player, but I just don't know his game well enough, but I got to tell you, you know, what you said made, makes a lot of sense. I mean, having him uh, be a, a, a Chuck draft pick is is not something to overlook i mean chris stewart he traded for chris stewart twice he brought him in got rid of him brought him back you know gms are loyal to their players or you know i don't maybe not loyal is the right word but they they fall in love with their guys and so that's 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 definitely uh you know it wouldn't shock me with that type of history and background i don't know what his contract is and i don't know what his term is left on it so i can't really truly give you my thoughts and, and, and like a truth, you know, evaluation without just, you know, basically being full of shit because I, I just don't know. Um, I will ask this, uh, we, you know, we got the draft tomorrow. Uh, Flyers were hit with, I mean, they did know for a few weeks now, but now it's official that Niskanen is retired. They do need to do something. Um, free agencies Friday. What are the odds that you say the Flyers make, I don't want to say a significant trade, but some kind of move more than an AHLer for an AHL or a draft pick before either during the draft tomorrow or at least before Friday? You know, I I will tell you this. They're going to try. They've been trying and they're going to try. I know for a fact that they have been involved in talks for Patrick Laine and uh, I, I can't I don't know what what where those talks have progressed to, but I do know that there's been multiple phone calls and there's been, you know, conversations. So Chuck Fletcher's history is not sitting back. Chuck wants to go out and make his team better. He is aggressive, but he's smart. You know, he's not going to mortgage his future. But if he feels like they can bring in something and they have to, you know, let go of something, one, you know, he'll do it. So. Uh, I do think that there's a good probability we'll see something. Now, what I keep seeing and reading, and I saw this in Chuck Fletcher's quotes today, was that it's really hard to make trades right now. Everyone is really nervous about the cap and about the season and the expansion draft. There's so many variables. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if Chuck didn't already have three or four trades that he thought might go through, but that's normal. And, and so I think they're going to be active. I think that they've been active. I think they're working the phones. I think that they're definitely willing to move down in the draft. Um, if they have an opportunity to get better now and, and maybe push out of the first round into the second, I think that's an op that that's a possibility. 
Um, you know, I, I think they're looking to move some salary to create some space for some of these guys you are talking about. But, you know, Chuck Fletcher has has been proven to spend money on players and free agency. He's 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 not been shy in making trades. So, you know, I, that would lead me to believe that he's he's actively trying to improve this team. He said today in his press conference, we are a good team. We are not a perfect team. And uh, that means he's going to try to do his best to give A.V. the ammo to go win a Stanley Cup. I mean, these guys are not thinking, you know, where are we going to be in five years? Now, yeah, Chuck has to think about that, but like they want to win hockey games and they want to win and compete for the Stanley Cup now. So, you know, it's a balancing act, but but I, I think Chuck will be aggressive and he will be active. Whether it happens and it comes to fruition, it's hard to really put a percentage on that. But he, I, I mean, I'll tell you with almost certainty, and I don't know Chuck, and I didn't talk to Chuck, but with, with certainty, just from talking to other people, from his history, he's aggressive and he's trying to make things happen. We have heard that about Fletcher. He does like to make moves. I think we saw a stat when we first signed him that he was one of the most active GMs in the NHL. And personally, that makes me feel good that even if something doesn't get done, he is trying, which is essentially what you said. Um, we do have the draft tomorrow. It looks like the Flyers are going to keep their pick. It's a pretty good draft. Uh, any thoughts on the draft and what you think they do with it? Uh, I doubt they move it such little time, but sounds like if anything, they would not move up. They would move back. But if they do make the pick at 23, where do you think they go? You know what? It's it seems, you know, like they're a best player on the board group between Chuck and Brent, Brett, Brent Flair. Um, I think he even said that, that that's kind of always been their philosophy since they've been working together. Um, guys, I it's I don't know about the prospects this year. Um, every year uh, it's it's. You know, I try to wait until the players get drafted by the Flyers to start paying attention to them um, and start tracking them and evaluating them and following them and talking to people about them. So, um, you know, I, I think that you can never have too much depth at defense. If you can get a good player, you get a good defenseman. Uh, you never know. But, you know, where they're drafting and that's that 20s seems like every year there's like a David Posternock or there's a player like that who slips to 23 to 25 to 27 and becomes a real difference maker for their team. So, um, you know, it, it, it just, you know, hopefully these guys are, I think this year is weird because the season's all ended abruptly. I mean, these, these college players who are going to get drafted, uh, and these U.S. players, they haven't played hockey, a hockey game in front of scouts in how many months? I mean, it's, it's, it's why I think that they wouldn't be scared to move back because I don't think that they're, scouting books are as filled as they normally would be when players are playing, you know, their, their playoffs into April, May, you know? So, um, I think that that, that sort of changes the mindset where I'm, they're probably not as sure on certain players because they just haven't got a chance to see them. You know, you always see a player who has an incredible run in the OHL playoffs, the NCAA tournament, whatever, who then goes on to sign that you're like, or get drafted way higher that you're like, Whoa, well, you know, it's kind of you see it at the end, you see them perform in the playoffs, you see them in a big moment and you can really fall in love with the guy. So it happened to Eric Tangrady, who's a local guy who was a second round pick my year. He had an incredible playoffs after having a, just an OK year. He gets drafted in the second round and goes on to have a pretty good career because he was a playoff player. That guy turned it up in the playoffs in juniors. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. 
I'm more interested in what's going on with free agency. I'm, I'm a little more excited for that just because I just think that there's some interesting potential out there and some interesting possibilities. And we'll see some very familiar names in so not familiar places like, you know, Henrik Lundqvist, for example. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. How, how would you feel like, say, they don't get a deal done for that top? elite goal scorer would you take a flyer out on a guy like Bobby Ryan who clearly wants to come back to Philly yeah I've actually been asked that a couple times and um you know I look the guy has been a good player for a long time and he can score I mean he's one of those players that doesn't need a lot and he can score so um you know I will cautiously say because I just don't know his game as of late you know I didn't see him play last year you know, I know he came back and he had that big moment, but, you know, I, I, I don't think I really watched him play much in Ottawa for the last couple seasons. So I would cautiously say for the right price, yeah, you can't go wrong with a guy who can score like Bobby Ryan. But that is with the asterisk that I just I haven't seen his game in the last two seasons, the last probably three seasons. I, I haven't seen him like I saw him before that. Before that, it's a no-brainer. I mean, the guy's a, he's an all-star, right? So um, he does want to come back here, from what I hear. And I've heard that there is mutual interest uh, from the Flyers. But I don't know what he's looking for. I don't know how much money. I don't know how much term. Uh, I don't know him personally. So, you know, not questions that I, that I really know. But, um, you know, it's, it's listen, it's always a good story when a hometown guy, especially who's gone through what he's gone through, can come home and – do well and play well. So um, I wouldn't be shocked to see it, but I, I don't, you know, I feel bad. I keep telling you guys, I don't know, but you know, it's just the reality. I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm, I don't know. That's well, the whole reason we got you on, D, because well, you're supposed to, say, to know these things. Well, I was going to say the opposite. <laughs> I was say if he did know, I don't, I, he'd be on a, a different show, his own show, where everybody just didn't listen to him if he knew that stuff. Um what do, what do you think of this, uh, Kobe? Uh, Flyers trade for Johnny Gaudreau, Tony D'Angelo, and sign Bobby Ryan. Bring the Jersey kids home. <laughs> hey, I think that that would make for good hockey because they're three three good hockey players. I, you know, I think Johnny Gaudreau is is you know he's a special talent, and I he's another guy who I've seen his name seen his name out there. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, I don't think it's necessarily realistic. Um, I'm not even sure if I had to choose between line A and Gaudreau, this might not be the popular opinion, but I probably would lean towards line A. Um, he's bigger. He's had more playoff experience. He's had some good playoff runs. I think he had 12 or 15 points that year that they, um, you know, went to the conference finals with Nashville and, you know, he's, he's a guy line a who just can score from anywhere. I mean, you just, there's not a lot of those players that just can pull the trigger and just beat you from anywhere. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I would be happy because it would give us a lot to talk about on TV. Um, you know, Goudreau's an exciting player. D'Angelo at 53 points last year. It's pretty incredible. It's hard to, it's hard to get, it's hard to luck your way into 53 points. I, I can tell you that. So, um, you know, there's a couple other good players too that are Jersey kids now, so we'll we'll see. Hey, maybe it'll be a little reunion tour, but uh, you know, <laughs> makes for a good story. I mean, I will say since the everything's ended and with all this news coming out, 
the anxiety and the possibilities are endless at this point. And I honestly, the what I just laid out will never happen. And I actually agree with you. I'd rather have Line A as much as I like Goudreau and he's a Jersey guy. Line A is a special talent. You don't get drafted second overall by accident either. And um, something's got to happen. I just feel like something has to happen. And I, I Fletcher's the GM that I see making something happen. But you are right with the flat cap and the weird times and I, the final thing I'll ask you is, you know, you're close with Shattenkirk. I heard the Flyers have in some interest. Is anything being talked about or are you hearing anything on that front? Come on. Yeah, Paul, so not, not, you know, no. For As of today, no. Um, I can tell you there's, there's no, no as of today. But as you guys know, things change. You know, I think the Matt Niskanen thing. I think Chuck was probably hoping he took a couple weeks and he said, you know what? I think I'll, I got one more year. I mean, um, I can tell you from talking to players around the league and I, and I did tweet this out that he's this Matt Niskanen is a well thought out guy. And if he says he's out and he's done, you know, I, I wouldn't be expecting to see him come back. I don't think he's going to change his mind. So again, I, I would, you know, nothing would make me happier than to see Kevin Shattenkirk here in Philadelphia, but you know, I, I wish I had better news to tell you that they were talking or there was interest or whatever. But, you know, I, I, I don't I don't have that news to give you guys. But, um, you know, I, I'm with you guys hoping, you know, that that could be a possibility. Uh, I think he's a good player. I think he's he's pretty special on the power play. He's a great leader. He's one of the more well-respected players in the entire league. Um, you know, I think he'd be great for the locker room. But, you know, it's it's there's there's probably 15 teams that are calling for his services right now pretty seriously, offering him some pretty, pretty good money, some pretty good term uh, sort of from what I've been told. There's there's quite a few quite a few suitors in line that that are, are you know, looking for his services, because when you look at his career, um, you know, it didn't go well with the Rangers. But when you've been in the league for for 10 years and you have a half a point a game and you score and you contribute every year, you're, you're going to have a bad year. And I, and I've said that about James Van Riemsdyk because people, people really get down on him and they, they don't like his contract and this and that. And I say, you know, you look at a player who scores 30 goals every year for seven or eight years. And that's, that's, you know, a lot to go on. That's not a bridge deal. That's not a, you know, that's not a player who had one good year and got a big deal. I mean, that's a player who's done it over a long period of time. So, you know, usually players like that recorrect and rewrite the ship. And and I think after, you know, the buyout in New York and the motivation uh, for Shattenkirk, I, I think he, he had he had quite an impressive year and, and not just playoffs. I mean, he he had 35 points in 70 regular season games this year, and he got very little power play time, very little, because the, the Tampa Bay runs four and five forwards on their power play for a lot of the season. So, you know, when Stamkos got injured, Shaddy found himself back on the power play and he sure made the best of it. But, um, you know, he, he when you play behind Victor Hedman, you know, your PP time is going to be limited. So, um, you know, I, I I'm with you guys. I would love to see that. But I, you know, I, I can't give you, you know, any realistic indication that something works and. Um, you know, if it was, I wouldn't say anything. So, uh, I could just tell you that, that <laughs> as of now, there's, there's not a whole lot, you know, to, to read into that. Okay. Give us one thing here, Eddie. What is the juiciest rumor that you've had, that you have heard that you can talk about 
that the Flyers could potentially make, besides the line they won, the most realistic juicy rumor that maybe you've heard? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I did hear that the Flyers kicked the tires around on Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, I did hear that. Um, I heard that there was, uh, you know, definitely a phone call made. But again, these guys are kicking the tires. And I mean, I, I was, you know, reading Don Sweeney, the GM of the Bruins conference today, and he said he's talking to 20 managers a day right now. So uh, I did hear that they, you know, kicked the tires on it. I love what they did with Brian Elliott. I'm glad they, they, they did what they did. I thought it was really smart. You know, don't don't fix what's not broken. And for the first time in a long time, we can all say that there's nothing broken in net for the Philadelphia Flyers. So, um, you know, to be honest with you guys, the line A thing, which I heard about about, you know, probably 10 or 12 days ago, uh, it was really the one that I I, you know, before it really came out was the one that I really heard was was happening and and that. Um, you know, they need defense and the Flyers have kind of openly stated that they were looking to, you know, potentially move Shane Goss to sphere. And uh, I think that would be a good landing spot for him because they need a guy who can go in there and play the power play. And, he, you know, I, I truly believe he's going to go be a good player somewhere else if he goes somewhere else. I, I, I do believe that. And I know it's not popular opinion, but um, you know, I know what his game is like. And when you're injured, you can't play the way he plays. And when he's healthy and he's confident, you know, his skill didn't just leave him. It's still there. So, um, you know, that was sort of the juiciest thing that I heard. And, and I heard that they definitely were. It was not just uh, kicking the tires. I, I think that it was there's been a good amount of dialogue between the Flyers and Winnipeg on this line, I think, because they really are trying to move them. And I think the Islanders are a team that has been in play with line A. And I think the Flyers do not want to see that happen as well. And, um, you know, that that really is the one that I'm, you know, think is most likely. And the one that I'm most keeping my eyes on is that line A thing. And, and it excites me the most, too. So, um, you know, other than that, um, I, I can tell you with with certainty, you know, almost certainty that, the you know, the Flyers would are, are bringing, you know, everybody else back They're They're not going to buy any of the, the players contracts out. You know, people were uh, talking about, you know, whether they were going to try that with Voracek or Van Riemsdyk. And I, I don't think that's the case. Um, I do think that there is a wit. Oh, a willing and a want on both sides of the James Van Riemsdyk camp and the Philadelphia Flyers camp. They want to make that work. You know, this is a guy who wanted to come back to Philly. He likes this city. They drafted him. He feels like he cut his teeth here when he was young. Um, He has a lot of respect for the city, for the fans. Um, You know, his wife likes it here. And, and I think both sides on that really want it to work for him here. And they want him to score 30 goals here. And, uh, they want him to be that power play net front guy. So, um, you know, I, I can, you know, do my best to put some of those rumors to sleep that they would do anything to move away from those guys. Um, because I just, that's, it's not going to happen. I, I think come opening night, I, I, I truly believe we're going to see, uh, those guys still in uniform, you know, and, and again, anything can change the right trade can come along. But as of now, I, I believe that's the plan. Cool. So we got you on here. So I'm going to ask you, so this whole line, I think. The only name that we keep kind of bringing up is Gossespierre, right? But obviously the Flyers are going to have to pitch in a little bit more to get this guy. A lot more. And a name that we've been talking about on this show 
for a little while. And I'm not going to say we've we've kind of been connecting some dots and the, with the player, Nolan Patrick. Have you heard his name mentioned at all going the other way? Uh, no, um, I haven't. And I think that's the smartest thing you guys can do, by the way, is try to connect the dots. It's really how how a lot of people in this business operate. But I have not heard that. Um, I I. When it comes to like injured guys, especially with like some of my relationships with the players, I almost don't even ask because I don't want to know. Because if I know, I feel like I need to sort of report it and talk about it. So uh, I really don't know the answer to that. I, I haven't heard his name. I would be shocked. I mean, this is a guy who didn't play this past year. There's way too many question marks about him. Um, you know, if I'm the Flyers, I'm offering, you know, if you're going to trade Shane, uh, you're, you know, maybe you're going to have to trade a first round pick too, which, you know, I think is every dollar worth it. You get a 22 year old kid who scores like line a, um, I'd pay a King's ransom for line a of, of prospect and pick. I, I would, I really would. Um, I'd, I'd, you know, I, 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 there, there, the guy you send the other way. You know, I probably, you know, and, and it, it pains me to say it because I like the kid. I've actually met him personally. Um, and I, and he's a good kid. He's a good guy and he's got skill, but yeah, I, I think so. I think when you have a guy who scored like line a, and you've got a guy like Morgan who hasn't, you know, he hasn't done it in the NHL yet. Um, he very well may, but is he going to, is, is Morgan Frost going to score 40 or 50 goals? If he does, then so does line a and you can feel good about it. Right. So, um, you know, here's another I, I, thing like frost doesn't necessarily have a spot on this roster, especially if let's just say perfect scenario, Nolan Patrick does come back and play. He would take over your three C spot. There's not really a spot for Morgan frost anywhere. So he's almost expendable. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would caution you at, at using, at, at, at framing it that way. I think most players are expendable, but I think that um, you've got to keep in mind that things change very quickly. Uh, Nolan Patrick not playing a game last year. Um, Oscar Lindblom, you know, gets diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. Uh, Nat Niskanen retired today. Last year, Dustin Bufflin up and retired basically in the middle of the, you know, it's like a week before training camp. So just because there's not a spot for Morgan Frost today, you know, guys, we could do this next week and it could be like, holy shit, we don't even recognize this <laughs> roster. I mean, it, it's just it's such a fluid. And and uh, I don't know if the other major pro sports are like that. I assume they are. But, you know, one day for me, guys, I had just played my first few games in the NHL. I played more than 20 minutes in all three of those games. I played on the power play. I thought, wow, like this is right for me. And, and a week later my phone rang and they said, you know, Francois needs to see you, the GM. So uh, things just really change quickly in this business. And, and while yes, there's probably no, you know, solidified spot for Morgan Frost today, you know, tomorrow could be a whole different story. So um, expendable, I'd say most players are expendable, but um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get too wrapped into like, you know, the preseason roster and lines like I think our media and media does rightfully so. But I think we get fixated on first line center, second line center, third line center. You know what I mean? I think it's the team more looks at it as where are we deep? Where do we have players at what position? Not what, you know, Scott Lawton 
played everywhere from the fourth line to the first line. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So uh, I, I, I don't let myself get stuck on that, on, on what the lines are going to be. I mean, look at how AV shuffled things all year. So um, what I do know is Sean Couturier will probably be a flyer for a long time. He's probably the only player who's not expendable. And um, I think that, uh, you know, he's he deserved the Selkie trophy this year. And, and when you have him, anybody who's not playing well plays with him and he gets them going. So uh, he's 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 probably the only player, maybe him and Provorov that aren't, quote unquote, you know, expendable. Right. So, you know, Wayne Gretzky got traded. So, so what, what would you what did you think it would take to land a, a, a line? A? I think, think it's going to. A and roster take, player would have to go as well? Yeah, uh-huh. I think a roster player, a prospect, and a first-round pick. I think that's that's what you, you're going to have to give up. Um, and I would do it. <laughs> I would. You know, I, I, I'd have a hard time saying no to that because he's, he's a hell of a player. I would do that in a heartbeat also. Yeah, if, if it's Ghost Frost and this year's first, I mean, <laughs> oh, my I, God. I would do that too. I mean, but then again, like you're saying, like things change so quickly. Just Winnipeg and Philadelphia seem like natural matches to make some kind of deal. And when you look at it from Winnipeg's perspective, if they don't trade Line A, they're going to have some cap issues to say the least. And they've already had their issues with the guy. And it just seems like something, if they're going to move them, the Flyers are like right at the top of the list of surplus and what they need. And I think that's why it's driving us all into a frenzy. Yeah. Listen, I can tell you this, though. If if we if you guys were working for the New York or you guys were New York Islanders fans, you would feel the same way that (laughs) you guys were in line for a trade with Winnipeg and it made the most sense. I mean, you you know, it the Flyers are probably in the running amongst a, a handful of other teams. Um, and you know, every team has a good prospects like Morgan Frost and, you know, guys who can move the puck. I think what makes the flyers interesting is that, you know, Shane Gossesphere's value right now is it's not, it's not high, but I think that he's very valuable. And I think a general manager, you know, is going to also say, look, this is a guy who, you know, ran into some injury troubles and, and had a down year. You know, and had a, maybe a, a rough year and a half, whatever. But he has a body of work, and he has a skill set, and we can we can get the best out of him. So I think he's sort of the sleeper in this because I think the right GM is going to see a shitload of value with him because I do believe, and I know I've now said this like five times, he is going to get back to 50 points. He's going to get back to that level wherever he ends up with a fresh start. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons the flyers are more interesting because normally you give up Shane Gossesphere for line a, and then you probably only have to give up maybe one prospect, you know, like a, like Frost and Gossesphere, and you don't even have to move your first round pick, but you know, Shane's value is a little bit lower right now. And, and so I think that makes him more intriguing and more interesting. I mean, if I'm Winnipeg, uh, that makes me kind of go, we can kind of get this guy whose value is not really high right now, but we think we can change him. We get a little bit more out of the Flyers. End of the day, we get more bang for our buck. That's why I – and you're right. What you say with the Islanders, I'm sure they're looking at a guy like Noah Dobson and like you want a defensive prospect. This guy's got all the – checks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. But, but He's like, going to be – he's, he's going to be big time. 
he he's going to be big time. I I don't I I'd be shocked if they were willing to part ways with him. And and the interesting thing is is you know through the grapevine I heard there were teams sniffing around about Noah Dobson, but he's he's a player. I mean he's got every freaking tool in a toolbox to become a really good NHL player and. Um, he hasn't even grown into himself yet. And he, he's he not going to be fun for the Flyers to play against for, for a long time. And Jimmy, if just in case you're curious, yes, I do have him in fantasy, and that's exactly why. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's what I'm saying. There's, I totally agree with what you're saying about all teams having something they may want, but the, that ghost factor is so strange, and it's because that you say his value is low. It's almost like you can grab a little bit more, and at the end of the day, get more bang for your buck. But I just it, it makes me feel better that you say of all the trade rumors being talked about, that's the one that was most intriguing. And I feel like they're going to circle back to this at some point, and we're gonna it's going to pick up steam again. And and just because it doesn't happen over the next two weeks doesn't mean it doesn't happen you know, a month into the season, uh, a week, you know, at the trade deadline, it's probably going to be a short season this year. So the trade deadline will come quicker. So, um, you know, I, I, Chuck made an interesting comment that if they go the way they're going at the trade deadline, they'd have like almost 12 to 14 million in cap space. That's, that's a lot of cap space at the trade deadline. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a valuable comment that I think we should all take it, take it face value. And, um, you know, it's, it doesn't have to happen today. And, you know, I, I, I've never worked in hockey ops. You know, I've, I've, I've asked some people who have, and sometimes these trades can, can, you could have a conversation with another general manager for a year before a trade happens. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a 99% of what is discussed. We'll never know. We'll never hear about, and it'll never get leaked because it's between two people and that's it. But um, you know, there's a reason this one we've heard about and it's been leaked and, and, you know, Hey, I'm with you guys. I I'd love to see it happen because I, I think he's a, he's a, he's a big time scorer. All right. If you guys don't have anything else, I think we should end right there. <laughs> yeah. Colby. I mean, I could keep asking questions, but I know I could I'll, talk to you all I'll night. I'll go through man. the whole league at this point. So maybe I should leave something to be desired. Yeah. Dude, it's been it's been a pleasure having you on. It really has been easy to talk to you. You've been great. Thank you. He's been real. Kobe was one of the most realist interviewees we've ever had. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I I appreciate that, and uh, I'm glad that that came through because you know when I'm sitting in a studio and you know we've only got 27 seconds in a segment and and I got to give three quarters of it to Bundy. You know sometimes you you can't <laughs> necessarily you can't necessarily get everything, everything in you want. So uh, I'm glad it was good talking to you guys and I appreciate what you guys do. And I think it's important that we have, uh, you know, a, a dedicated fan base here in Philly that cares enough to, to do things like this on their own time, on their own dime, uh, just because they're passionate. So, um, you know, it's good chatting with you guys and, you know, hopefully we're, well, we can do this again once the season starts and, and we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, Patrick Lining, <laughs> he just scored his 20th goal, and we're only 40 games into the season, right? So, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, Colby. Thanks again, man. We'll have to, we'll, like you said, we'll have to get back together again soon. This is great. Yeah, you guys know how to get a hold of me, so we'll chat soon. For sure. Hey, before you leave, you got anything you want to put out there? You got nope. anything coming up? Anything personal? No? No, no, nothing. Nothing. All right, man. We'll let you go then. Thanks again. All right. See you guys. Pleasure talking Colby. to you. All right.
There you go, boys and girls. Colby Cohen. What a dude, man. That was a great, a great interview. Very I don't want to say he was definitely real, man. Especially when he was talking about the draft. Like it was like a, I don't want to say a horror story, but it was kind of like this sucks. Like Jesus, you said it, Jim. You fell for the guy. You're like, oh my god, I have myself in your shoes, and it's like it sucks. It was a everybody else side. we talk about. It's just happy to be drafted and yeah. totally different perspective. He gave a real perspective, and I I appreciated that because it was something that was. I guess a little bit unexpected there, you know, he kind of had to take a second and, and listen to him. And it was like, wow, man, put your 18 years old, right? Like this is the moment that you've been waiting for your whole life and it doesn't pan out the way you want. You only get it one time. Like that that kind of sucks. I mean, even us who never even would ever sniff being drafted have imagined that in our heads, not the bad part, the good part. So imagine yeah. actually being there and having that happen. Yeah, man. Yeah, so awesome story. I mean, hopefully you guys listen and hopefully, you know, you felt something listening to that. It's a different side. Yeah. I guess it's not all rainbows and butterflies for these guys, but a lot of information in that episode. Holy shit. I mean, there's a distinct, there's a real chance that Patrick Lyon is on this Flyers team next season. It's insane. It's ever going to be. And it's like, I remember when he was being drafted behind Matthews and it was like these two are the guys you just at that point you're like yeah never never the Flyers and the, the fact that his name's being floated he's 22 years old if if the price asking price was what Colby was saying I mean I couldn't run fast enough to dial up Winnipeg but you just gotta be they gotta be Winnipeg either it's gotta be pitting everybody against each other to get as most out as possible or there's just more going on than we realize could you imagine if it's Frost Ghost tomorrow, let's say tomorrow's first round pick, I'd even be okay if it was next year's first round pick as well. Yeah, me if too. It, if it means no other that. roster player moves. Like, yeah, because think about the prospect pool we have. You know, you're, everybody's looking to move Ghost anyway. I feel like we have to cast base reasons, whatever. You move two first round picks because we got the prospects, and you move Frost, which it, listen, you're gonna feel a little bit of sting to get a guy like Line, dude. I mean, you got to be careful who you sign to cover up some D because of line A. But holy cow, did you just make your team that much better? Like, wow. You know what else? Sean Couturier is maybe an 85-point guy now. Maybe, I don't want to say 90. 90 is, you know, setting the bar pretty high. But I think, what is he now? 75-point guy, tops. He did it two years in a row, whatever. Potential 80, 85 points playing with a guy like line A, right? JVR sitting in front of the net with a guy like Line putting bombs on goal, right? Maybe he's you a 30 could, goal guy again. You could rejuvenate guys like I know Drew's been pretty good in the regular season, but not the playoffs. We don't know how he's going to bounce back next year. You know, you got him out there with a the guy like that. Holy yeah. shit! You got Konechny starts scoring again. I mean, the the line combinations are just I'm drooling at the thoughts of it. Like that's how I know it's not going to happen, <laughs> dude. I want to hear your thoughts on the Flyers potentially getting Patrick Line, Kyle. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't want to get my hopes all up. Get them up. <laughs> Now's the time. When was the last time we had an opportunity like this? Like I felt like last season we made all our signings. We're like, this is our team. We have we're not going to be in free agency for the next couple of years. And even now, I can't even say we are. But the fact I, I meant what I said about Winnipeg and Philly being natural matches at surplus in need on both ends and it just makes and kobe's right with other teams you know i'm the flyers and philly 
come on. It makes sense. I told you I, I told you they're more... going to win the division. I told you they're going to go to the Stanley Cup. They made it to out of what was it a game within the conference finals? They're going oh. to get Patrick Line, baby. They're going to get him. <laughs> go ahead, Kyle. I just I I want him to go get Line. I, I think it would be awesome, obviously. But at the same time, as I alluded to last episode, I don't know if I trust Line, so I don't really want to oversell and then be disappointed. If they do the trade that we were kind of talking about with Colby, would you, Colby, would you be okay with that? Oh, all day long. I would actually give up more than what we were talking about with Colby. I don't think Frost, Ghost, and first gets that done at all. I think you got to send a defensive prospect as well. You're you're giving up more than you're giving up more than that. Yeah, I mean you're getting if, line A. You're giving up another first round pick at least. It's definitely Ghost. It's definitely Frost and a first-round pick. And then, you know, to be honest with you, it might not even be Frost. It might be Farabee who they're asking for. I think it's he's that strong of a player, Line A. He can easily demand something like that. And if it's not – it might even be – if it's not Farabee and it's Frost, it might be Sandheim. It might be Sandheim, Frost, a first-round pick, and Ghost. That seems more realistic to me. Now, that's where I kind of, like, pump my brakes a little bit. Like, wow, that's a yeah, lot. Yeah, I don't want to – like I want to do everything I can to improve the Flyers roster without taking too much from the Flyers roster at the same time. And now like if that if you take Sandheim off this team with Niskanen retiring, your defensive core is fucked at this point. Yeah. Well, in in the, in the short intermediate, but you do have York and Zamula coming and you could sign a guy. But the fe- when I said that out loud, the trade I offered, did you guys not feel like like uh that's a little much? That's how you know it's more realistic of a trade, don't you? How often do we just make a trade and we're okay with every piece going? Almost never. You know, it's this isn't this isn't um you know Taylor Hall for Adam Larson was not the norm. That was the anomaly. Normal trades, each side is a little like ah we could have gotten more. Uh, we gave up a little too much. So when I say a trade, and I don't like it at all because I love Sandheim. You know, we we Jim, you put Konechny in your trade, and people were kind of like, uh, it's a little much. That's how you know it's a good trade. It's a better trade. Yeah, for sure. Not for I, the Flyers. Again, I don't, it's likely. It's more likely I, what I should say. I, I don't think an active um, NHL defenseman off of our roster, with the exception of Ghost, would be involved. I think that if you get that deal done, you you would see a Zamula get moved. You would see somebody with defensive upside and like a prospect defensively get moved. I I they could not literally they literally could not trade Sanheim away. You would who are we gonna have play defense? Mark Friedman, Justin. Well, that's my Wong, point. Robert Hag. That's how <laughs> good. I mean, you would hope they would do something. That's how good line he is. If I'm Winnipeg, I don't give a rat's ass what the Flyers do. Like, let's play a little game here. I'll be Winnipeg. Give me your best offer. For line A, who I have under control. Like I said, I would honestly my the first offer that comes to mind for me would be Frost, Ghost, our first from this year, and um one of our high end defensive prospects, Zamula, York. Somebody's gotta go back. I mean, and I'd much rather sacrifice 
a York or a Zamula, which is another first round pick, essentially, okay. with the exception so of if, Zamula. If I'm Winnipeg, you know who the first player I ask for is? It's Provorov. I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. And the that's the how these conversations usually go. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Would you do Provorov a line A straight up? Oh, no. No, because Provorov is a franchise defenseman. You don't get franchise defensemen. You Provorov was seventh overall pick. Line A in the, very, uh, the next year's draft was the second overall pick. Yes, defensemen are more valuable than winners. Line A doesn't play fucking 40 minutes a game. <laughs> you're right, but he also scores more than anybody the Flyers have ever sniffed at in the last, what, 20 years? Yeah, but without Provorov, we're going to get scored on a lot more. Again, as Winnipeg, that's why I, without Line A, I'm not going to do much scoring. Like, there, there's definitely – that. think about it. I'm trying to be Winnipeg as strongly as I can here. I'm not going to roll over for you. I'm going to – yes, do I think this deal ultimately gets done with those asking prices? No, but I'm going to start high. Yeah, but we, just like, heard, we just heard they're going to – they're talking ghosts, though. Like, how do we get from ghost to Provorov here? That's what the fly. That's you're hearing that from the Flyers' perspective, you know. And I don't think that they're talking Provorov because that's unrealistic. I think right. it starts there, and you kind of come down. So if we started this conversation at, oh, I want ghosts, you guys are going to go down from there, and it's going to be a ridiculous trade. And I'm going to say, yeah, but here's that. the thing, and like, like we know this. Like, if if you're the Flyers and you're putting out there that, hey, Sean Couturier is available. You don't really get to ask for the other team's best player because you're the you're the guy making this guy known he's available. But Ghost you know has I mean? also been known to be available, and I don't think they said Line was available. Ghost is yeah. on the block. Line uh, they're, just, they're taking calls. No, Line is available. Oh, Cohen just said that fucking Winnipeg has been chopping him this whole offseason. I know. Yeah. I don't remember him saying he was on the block. Like they have to move him. They're just taking calls. There's a difference. Now they're looking to move him for sure. So let me put it to you this way. Ghost is on the block this year. They've been looking to move Ghost for the last two years. There's a difference between those two things. No, I think we've been looking to move Ghost. Yeah, they just announced this. No, this Fletcher, past has week. Looking to, Fletcher has been looking to move Ghost. This past week, they said that this is the first offseason they're actively looking for a trade partner for Ghost. Yes, and that, that that's what I'm saying. That's the difference. Right, so yeah, Winnipeg is looking think, for a trade partner I, for Line. I think but if they don't get it, they can keep the guy. Where we need, we probably really need to move Ghost. Line A has right. been good for them. But if I you're think, shopping a guy, though, you don't get to choose the other team's best player to come shopping, back. Shopping is different than putting him on the block and saying, somebody trade for this guy. Shopping is, we'll take calls, but nothing's promised. And when you think about lose? how good the guy is, that's a big thing. All right, so He's you can't. 22 you, you years old. To, you don't really get to pick the other team's best player, though. Right, what is this? Why not? We're shopping this guy. We want Provorov back. Because no, teams no, are just no, going to no, hang I the phone up. Think, just tell me why not. If I say I might be considering moving line A, I'm looking at my cap situation, I'm looking at my team situation, maybe I'll see what this guy is worth. Why can't I ask for the moon? Because you're just going to get no. He's a restricted free agent. Why would anybody say no? Because he's you want to actually have trade talks, though. You don't just want to get hung up on. You're telling me. That if I was Winnipeg and I said, you want Line A, I want Provorov, they would hang up on me immediately? You think Provorov is that good? Oh, yeah. Is, are you playing with me? What is this game you're playing with me right now? What is <laughs> I'm trying to be Winnipeg. We're, we're so hell-bent. Because you know that they're going to get hung up on. They do no, they would not, they minutes would, a night. They would not. That doesn't mean anything. That just means he, he chews means up minutes. Everything. Ron chewed up minutes. That doesn't what? mean anything. 
if he was if he was eric carlson what is happening are you jack are you messing with me i don't know where you why do you guys think that line a sucks he doesn't suck well how is Provorov a ridiculous ask i'm not saying it gets done because i don't think the block doesn't that doesn't matter that does not matter if you call me if I called you and asked for Provorov, that's one thing. No, Winnipeg's not making calls. They're accepting calls. So if the Flyers call me and I don't ask for Provorov, I should be fired. Doesn't mean I'm going to get him, but you have to start high and then go from there. Then you negotiate. I'm not saying they get Provorov. That's what you're not understanding. I'm not saying you call me, you want line A, I'm going to ask for your middle-of-the-road prospects. That's ridiculous. I'd be fired the next day. You're not getting Provorov. That's what you're not understanding. They're not getting Provorov. But if I have an asset, a 22-year-old goal-scoring phenom like Line, and I don't ask for your best player, I'm not a general manager for very long. Yeah, but it's just not going to happen, though. It's not, but you still ask, and you go down from there. That's how negotiations work. Okay, so what are we talking about, a negotiation or an actual trade? A negotiation. I said, I'll be Winnipeg. Do the negotiations. That was the key phrase. So when I would you have say, hung up on you, say, so why are we still? And talking? then you would call back in a couple of days. You would call back in a couple of days, like anybody else who wants a player. That's how this works. No, I would it's go. Okay, always, you want to move it's line. It's always his, historically worked. Call and you me say, back when you're serious. And you say exactly. And you call back and you go, listen, Provorov's not going to happen. No, I wouldn't call, call back. back. I would say call me you back would. when you, you want to no, talk trade. You 100% trade. would call back because <laughs> no, you want my player. I don't need to trade my player. I would say this you want to move line, a, but you're not really serious, so call me back when you are. No, that, that doesn't, that's not how it works. He's 22 years old. They don't have to move him. <laughs> okay. Explain to me how they have to move past You get to pretend to be a GM, but if Jim tries to be a GM, you're like, no, that's not how it works. (laughs) He said he said he would never call back. He said he he said he wouldn't call back. That's why I called you. You said you would not call back. I'm disagreeing. You know what we should do for an episode? We should actually do a a fake GM conversation. Answer this question. Hanging up with each other, calling each other. Listen, this this stuff happens all the time. Why, just explain to me one thing. Why would I not ask for a top player, for my top player at 22 years old, who was the second overall pick of the draft, who scores 40 goals a year? Why would I not ask for a stud player? Because I know that there are rumors that you want to move your guy. Rumors. Keyword, rumors. Yeah, but the rumors come from your organization. No, that's the thing. No, that's not true. That's not true. Oh. No, it's not. That's not true. The rumors are, are mixed okay, messages. Hexel. They're, they're nobody, all messages. Nobody says anything from my heart. That's why they're called rumors. <laughs> if I came out and said, I want to lo- move Line A, I would do myself a serious disservice. That's why the rumors. That's also why Line A hasn't been moved yet, because they're just rumors. And yes, Line A does not get moved for Provorov. That's not going to happen. But if I don't ask and go down from there, you're going to hose me on a trade. Absolutely hose me. Winnipeg's going to lose this trade no matter what because they're trading the best players. If they even make it because they don't have to. If I see myself losing a trade, why do I make it? Because this guy's not working here anymore. (laughs) How's he not working? I don't know why they want to trade him, Jack. You know. You got the insider source. I don't know anything. I'm just telling you how how they want to trade him. Why are we hearing rumors? I mean, it's all made up, maybe. We've been hearing rumors about Goudreau for 40 years. 
They were talking we've about been rumors about everybody. We've been hearing rumors about ghosts for five years. We hear rumors. That's why they're 20, rumors. 20, 20 years before Goudreau was born, there oh, okay. were rumors about trading him. There's Kyle. Let's take everything literal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take everything for exactly how it is. Jesus. Oh, There's rumors about everybody who's never been moved. Dustin Bufflin. He's been having rumors ever since he went to Winnipeg. He was never traded. Greatest ever since he got player. there. Yeah. Wait, and, and look what and happened. he never got they moved. Didn't, they didn't trade him because Winnipeg wanted Provorov for him. Provorov wasn't in the league yet. wasn't drafted yet. Provorov wasn't in the league yet. How could they trade for Provorov when he wasn't drafted yet? See, it works both ways. I heard rumors that all Bufflin wanted to do was drink and fish, and that's exactly yeah, that's what he did. that's why he's the size he is. That's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I believe you. Comes Those in rumors, the camp in the worst shape imaginable. Those rumors came from Winnipeg, though, and they turned out to be true. Just they rumors. They were called pictures on TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's fucking wrap this up. But in all seriousness, I'm, what you guys are saying is right. That trade never goes through, but you still ask for the moon and go from there. That's all I'm saying. All right. I'm not agreeing. What if, the, what if a team asks for, for Provorov, and, our, and this is Ch- Fletcher speaking, you, you would be pissed if he took middle-of-the-road guys that another team felt they could move. If somebody called me for Provorov, I'm just hanging up the phone. You think he's the best defenseman in the league? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you guys. That's what you're acting is like the typical oh, internet yeah. argument right there, and I hate it. <laughs> oh, Provorov, you don't, you wouldn't trade him. You think he's the best? All right, here's the thing. Say I put, I'm, I go, I put this out there. You know what? I'm going to start fielding offers on Sean Couturier, right? Either I'm taking calls or if I call someone or somebody calls me and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll trade you Sean Couturier, but give me Shifley. Like, that's not how it works. Well, that doesn't make sense. It's center for center and they're both the same age. Well, why would that trade make any sense? All right. Name me a defenseman then. Throw a defenseman's name out there. For, you are, if you're going to go. Pro, all right. Uh, I have no idea. Provorov. <laughs> I, want, I want Hedman and Stan. Warinsky. Warinsky. How about that? All right, so if I'm putting Couturier on, I'm taking offers, you call me as Columbus, and I go, yeah, I want, no, I well, want Seth on, Jones. You put Couturier on the block. I call you and say, I, I hear you're trying to move Sean Couturier. Your needs are defense. Yeah, and I go, I want Seth Jones. So right away, I'm going to say, Seth Jones is my best defenseman, no dice, and I hang up. You know why? Because it's a tactic. Why would I make you think I'm interested in that? <laughs> why, why would I give you that? Why would I give you that? But why I just I wasted that? your time by asking about a guy that I know, and you're not going to trade me, though. Jim, these guys have an entire three-month offseason. We're not going to talk again? That's ridiculous. I'm just saying, if you want to get a guy. You, you know work it. It's a system. They've been doing it for years. All right, so, uh, okay. I can negotiate. We could start all the way up here and work our way to where we are. Somehow we got the Shane Goss to spare a first-round pick and Morgan Frost from Ivan Provorov. Yeah, that's and that's, did, that's, where, that's why the trade hasn't happened yet, because that there's no way. Because they're still they stuck on Provorov. That's too little for Line. It's too little for Line. Eighth pairing, or fifth <laughs> pairing, whatever the hell it is. If I'm Winnipeg and you offered me ghosts, a first-round pick, which is the 23rd. It's not like it's 10th. And, uh, what, Morgan Frost, who we're not even sure is an NHL player. Uh, yeah, I want more for Line. I think if I do that trade, my fan base hates me. 
I'd be surprised if they did that too, honestly. No, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's way the, too little. The, literally, the last 20 minutes of this bullshit, it was all I was trying to prove. Is It's too little. It's way too little. Wait, where did Provorov come from then? Because you, I'm not saying they move him. I'm saying he starts there and moves down. But the why do difference, you keep getting him going, Jim? But the difference – why do, can't you understand this? The difference between I get it. a first ghost and Frost. Morgan Frost and Rovroff is mountains. That's the, It's mountains. It's different. It's so – it's ridiculous. Your if, you, if we had line A, if we had line A and we were moving him and we didn't ask for the other team's best player, why would you even like that GM? Why? I love you, Jack. I do. You're making. I'm waiting for somebody to make one valid point. But That's like, all I'm waiting. But like, Provorov's definitely in play here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what your point is. I honestly, I'm confused beyond all belief. If if we are Winnipeg and Sheho and I almost threw up right there. If we're Winnipeg and we're moving line A and our GM doesn't and we're talking to the Flyers and our GM doesn't ask for their best player. I would ask for his firing. That'd be ridiculous. I know he's not going to get him, but he's got to try, and he's got to go from there and get the best possible deal. You're, you guys are ready to give him scrums, table scraps. Like, it's crap. There's no way that goes down. Honestly, you know another guy, I mean, to get back on subject of realistic players going the opposite way, a guy that I heard a lot of people were calling about at the trade deadline, Scotty Lawton. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Scotty Lawton did go the opposite way. Because that's a guy, I mean, well, no, he would definitely be a piece. That's what I'm saying, Jack. He wouldn't but, be the centerpiece is what I'm saying. He wouldn't be the centerpiece. He'd there, be a piece. I mean, honestly, there wouldn't be a centerpiece for line A. I think they'd be selling themselves short then. Well, like, I mean, what would what would honestly be their centerpiece? In a deal that I would want, well, like a guy like Sanheim, that would be a centerpiece. That would be a guy I'd realistically target. I know I bring up Provorov and you just, you guys just fall to pieces, but I'm, I know that wouldn't happen. <laughs> I, would, I would eventually make my way to sign to Sanheim Plus. Okay, but then imagine Matt Niskanen retires and you're like, hmm, there's no that? way we're going to get what? Sanheim. Well, then I guess we don't have a deal because I'm not going to get hosed because your guy retired. But you still want to move your guy. I have 30 other teams I can move him to. What do we need to talk to you for? But not the guy that you can get from the Flyers, though. You really? Who can we offer that is a must-have? We can offer them guys that can fill the needs that they want. I mean, we just I'm heard trading line to, I'm trading line A to fill needs that I want. No, no, no. I need to get a legitimate player back. You're not. You're and I'm, getting and I'm keeping line there. A. And I'm, I'm overall. I'm keeping line A because I'm going to get fired if I make that trade. <laughs> Who's going to fire you? My owner. <laughs> Considering Chef Aldayoff has been there for like 20 years, and he's had one good run, but that was it. All right. You know what? I, I forgot that we were still recording during part of that. Because I was having – that was fun. Recording the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Should we wrap this up? No. Yeah. I want to make a trade. <laughs> You, I want to do that for right, an episode. Right, Just right, you guys want to do okay, an NHL Winnipeg. trade, but you give up uh, first-round picks and AHLers for a top player in the league. All right, Winnipeg, here you go. Give it to me. I'll give you. Wait, can you do a fake phone ring? Like pretend you're calling them. Something's wrong with my phone. I think it's broken. <laughs> Jack, pick the phone up. All right, who the fuck is this? <laughs> it's the Flyers calling. Uh, we're, we got a lot of interest in line A. Uh, we'd like to trade you 
our first round pick from this year, our first round pick from next year, uh, Shane Gossespierre, Cam York, and Scotty Lawton. I want Travis Sanheim. I have no defense, and Ghost sucked last year. I needed a legitimate defenseman. Ghost was terrible for your last three seasons. How about Justin Braun, but we're going to need a second and a third round pick back? What do I, Chuck Fletcher? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I do think if they have needs of defense, they're missing the entire right side of their defense. York was interesting. I like that you put him in there. That was interesting. Lawton's a nice guy that can definitely carry my bottom six, like as a third line center as I work things. I like pieces you added. Ghost isn't enough to push it over. Two first-round picks was nice as well, but you guys are going to be drafting late. I know you're going to be drafting late. If I give you line A, I'm looking at picks 28 and 29. Why would I do – or 23 and 28. Like, why would I do that? You know, like, they're good. Yeah, they're first-round picks, but they're not top picks. I need that one piece that's going to push it over the edge. And you could take something back, but I need a legitimate piece back for a guy like line A, and Sanheim is my actual target. The reason I start high is to get to Sandheim, and suddenly he doesn't seem so ridiculous to move in a trade. That was my point, because I know they're not getting available. I know that. Is Sandheim available? No, he's He's been he's been dangled. He's been he's been mentioned, but uh, he's been mentioned. Our conversation. Good luck with uh, the Islanders. Sorry, I have uh, 30 other teams on hold. (laughs) Yo, but. Uh, realistically speaking, who do the Islanders have defense ready to come play in the NHL? No, no, seriously. D- no, Dobson, as I brought up with Kobe, is a legitimate guy. He was a what? Is the he li- going to be in the NHL next year? He's already he been in the NHL. He's just like uh, he's ready to go. Yeah, he he um he's legit. He was drafted before Farabee. Same draft. I, I don't saying, think fuck it, then. Let's make let's make a three way deal. <laughs> With Wait, the who Rangers. can I be? Call the Rangers. You're the Rangers. <laughs> Somehow we're going to get Line A and D'Angelo out of this, uh, right? D'Angelo is going to go to Winnipeg. <laughs> okay. Hey, yo, you guys want Tony B down there? We're in a three-way deal. So D'Angelo is going to go to Winnipeg. The Rangers are going to get one of the two firsts I mentioned. There's Winnipeg's still going to get Ghost, Lawton, York, and we're still going to get Line A. It just feels like we're giving up one thing we like and a bunch of other stuff we don't give a shit about. And that's how I, I that's why I feel like it's not going to happen. That's how I operate here as a GM motherfucker. <laughs> so you don't like it, hang up the phone. <laughs> All right, but fine. Ta- my only point is they always call back both sides, both sides. There's always conversations. Somebody comes up with an idea. He's also a human being. So if they like hear something they don't like or something changes – Calls are made, and this is why, like, come on, man. Taylor Hall got traded for Adam Larson. Fucking anything is possible. Anything is possible. I don't know. But if good GMs, is, like, good GMs play the game. That's all I'm saying. Good GMs play the game, and that's what it is. Now, luckily for us, Fletcher makes a lot of trades, so I think he knows how to play the game. Yeah, and I don't know if the if Line A is like a need, you know? Like I, I think, and you mentioned it earlier. I think Winnipeg and Philly are more of a match. They are. I don't think the Flyers necessarily need line A. Do you know what I mean? Like, they need a top four defenseman. They don't necessarily need line A, but it's always nice to have a 40-goal fucking scorer, you know? Honestly, if if the line A thing doesn't come through, I think you absolutely have to take a waiver on Bobby Ryan because you got to have some more scoring. 
going into the next year. Depending season. on the price, I like. I Bobby don't think. Ryan. I don't think Bobby Ryan's going to cost you more than a mil. Yeah, no, that's my max, but I would like that for sure. Can you imagine what you oh. could do? It'd be a good story, uplifting story. Him and yeah. him and friggin' Limblom in the same locker room. You kidding me? Two master back to backs, master. Oh, damn, <laughs> he stole it from me. Yeah, so that's for sure. But I'm telling you, like the reason one of these these trades take forever is because it does start at the ridiculous levels because you want what's best for your team. But then there's a realization. Everybody comes back down to earth, and you get into the nitty gritty of it. I just feel like what we're being dis- what's being discussed we're missing the one piece that really makes us hurt which is how you know it's a good trade once you go i don't really feel so comfortable giving that much up and that's why i think the more i think about it dan silver's uh trade with involving Konechny made a little bit more sense although i could see it them wanting to target maybe a guy like sandheim but if jim you pointed this out if ghost is going along moving two puck handling defenseman doesn't make a whole lot of sense but my point is, if the trade is made, you know we're not going to feel 100% good about it by any means. And that that was the only point I was trying to make. It got a little silly there, but I'm trying to make the point. It's going to hurt if this gets done in some way, shape, or form, and more than just a prospect that we're iffy on. Even Frost. Roster-wise, I'm just going to throw this out there. I have no attachment to any of these guys. Like Konechny, you can go. Goss well, is fair, you can go. You don't even like Sanheim. Yeah, I don't even like Sanheim. Like, so I, I'm who, not gonna. Who would hurt? Who would hurt? I'm not for gonna you to cry lose? if any of these players Jim, on this roster. What if they ask for Myers? Yeah, that, I mean that would suck because I think Myers is go. going to be a stud. <laughs> um, Law and I'd be like, well, that sucks, but it's Scott Law and uh, I don't know who else. Who else is on this team that I would care about? Like the guys that I like aren't going anywhere. Hart, Proverov. Yeah, no. They're not, not, not obviously Hart and Proveroff for your one and two on the and Coot. You're right. Those are the three untouchables. And, you know, everybody's touchable, quote unquote. Those are the three untouchables, especially Hart. Yeah, anybody and, else I, I could take or leave. Yeah, but I, line I, I, like, like, for the we right move. About with Cohen, though, like, dude, and I, we said it last summer, too. Like, if they're not going to win it, and it, there's a one in 31 chance that they win the Stanley Cup, if they don't win the Stanley Cup, I just want to have fun. I want to be entertained. I want to see a guy score 40 fucking goals, you know, 45 goals. Listen, I'd say I'd... more like 1 in 30 because there's no way Detroit's going to do anything next year again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 1 in 30, yeah. Yeah, and at this rate, neither's Pitt. Um, I just – Jim, you made a good point. Line A is not a defenseman, defenseman or a premium, nor is he a goalie or a franchise center. He's a winger. That being said – those guys, when they're the top of the league, top echelon of the league, they're game changers. And the one thing this team has lacked forever has been a goal-scoring winger. And especially when you consider the players on this team who love to pass, Jesus, do they need a guy like this in the worst way. Yeah. And if I'm Winnipeg, I'm smart enough where I literally, if you're a GM, you're doing nothing but the team. You like don't see your family as often because you're constantly – working this team you know what the flyers need you know what they have you know what they want and that's why you come to the table so high and you eventually settle on something and i do think if something did get done it's gonna hurt and it's good that you don't have an attachment because if a deal gets done 
you're probably more okay with it than the rest of us, but they're, we're not getting off for Ghost, who we've been looking to trade for three years for a first-round pick because we have such a good prospect pool. We don't care about losing, whether it's one, whether it's two. And some of our later prospects, because Farabee's already up, because other guys are already up, Hart's already up, we can pass on Frost or Ratcliffe or who, even York if we had to. I do think it's gonna. there's going to be a name that's going to sting and that's if it even gets done because Line is going to have a ton of suitors, and that's even if they want to move him because they don't have to. Well, we're going to find out. It's uh, if there's nothing else, guys. Do we miss anything? Oh yeah, Justin Braun signed to a two-year contract today, 1.8 million. Forgot to mention that. Yeah, we kind of needed a def- fucking defense. Yeah, they really didn't have a choice. <laughs> We went through two hours and we forgot that the Flyers signed Justin. We Brown. mentioned him too. Three point <laughs> five to one point eight. That's how important that was for at us two tonight. years. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's cool. You know, it's Great a body to play us. on the bottom pairing. Yeah. Great bottom pairing deal. Him and Hag. Like, I love those contracts for third pairing defensemen. And yeah. you can easily you can easily move that last year of the contract after next season in the off season as well. Yeah, and according to you guys, we'll get a first round pick back. No, we're gonna we're gonna get uh, Victor Hedman. It's already assigned. Start high, all right. Yeah. Start with the top guy. <laughs> I don't know hey, why. We're calling, what? Hey, we're calling about Justin Braun. <laughs> we want Victor Hedman. <laughs> all right, let's wrap. This oh up. yeah, we get him started. Braun and Line A are on the on the same page by far. Okay, let's wrap this up. Starting with the second. <laughs> Come <and> on. <laughs> this is gonna take me four hours to edit. It's your own fault. Two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you, guys, you guys want the uh, the minimal? You guys want your GM to be uh, doofy? A chevel jerk off. Jeez. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's stop. Uh, this is gonna come out. What's today? This will come out Tuesday morning. So if you're listening to this, you're listening to this today. And, and tonight is the draft, and we are gonna have a live YouTube event so check out our youtube page hw radio on youtube subscribe to it this way you get the notification when we start it up it's going to be a good time you'll see our live draft reactions you'll see jack and kyle's handsome faces uh mine will be on there somewhere and it, it should be a good time uh we'll do it we'll, we'll have a little bit of uh hopefully we're talking some trades or at least a good draft pick at the very least uh should be a very fun, interesting night. What else do we have in store for this week, guys? Oh, we did a mock draft over the weekend. First ever HW mock draft, guys. I can't believe we're two hours into the show. It's the first time we're mentioning it. Uh, I'm going to have an article. Jesus Christ, I'm not sleeping tonight. An article coming out tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, make sure you guys check that out. Comment on it. Share it. Let us know what you think of the results. And we'll see if they match the actual nhl draft in any way shape or form what else am i missing i think that's it for this week guys nhl draft tomorrow night into wednesday free agency starts friday thank you once again to colby cohen for hanging out with us it was a great interview and hw will return next tuesday night wednesday morning all right guys have fun watching the draft we'll be back next week or tonight, whatever.